We'll have this discussion. Discussion? What discussion? This is a discussion. Coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is Discussion Combustion Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Batstone and Arthur Raw. Great event last night with Kylie Burris uh, in the Approachable Outdoors Benefit Bash. I had so much fun being there, man. That was super cool. Met a lot of great people, including our guest tonight. Rima came down on very short notice. We had a cancellation. So thanks for adjusting your schedule a little bit and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited. Um, I mean, let, let's just talk about that, the the Benefit Bash a little bit. Incredible. Like, it, was, it was a cool spot downtown. Um, how did you enjoy it? It was nice because I haven't gone to like an event for a while. Um, and it was good to see people and make new friends and meet you guys um, and support a precious child and Kylie and um, approachable outdoors. So that was really good. Yeah, it's incredible what she does. I mean, that, that event was, was really cool, too, to see everybody that turned out for it, has a passion for the outdoors. You know, some of the giveaways, the vendors, the sponsors that were there. I'm um, just so fortunate to be a part of that and meet really cool people. You know, you never know who you're going to meet, and you're right. I mean, since you know, since the pandemic, it's been hard to do events like that. We were pretty close quarters there, but um, you know, everyone seemed to have a good time, and we got to rub some shoulders and and, and just really enjoy the night. I mean, it it, it was packed, like packed, and yeah. So they had the food, and I'm not like talking like negatively about any of this. It was just a fun experience overall. But like, you would have to go into the far back corner, which was the most narrowest of areas, yeah, to to kind of get some of the sampler plates. And I want to give a quick shout out to, uh, I forget her relation to Kylie, but Heather. who was I think it was her cousin. Her, her cousin, cousin, yeah. Che- yeah. Checking people at the yes. front door. But the, she was grabbing those plates of food and bringing them out so everyone could kind of, you know, get some of the hors d'oeuvres, I guess. But it oh, was, that was Kristen, her other cousin. Oh, th- oh, that was Kristen who did that. Okay. But she has a solid, Kylie has a solid team, family. Like, her brother was there, too. I, like, Connor I, was great. I love seeing that. Yeah. It was definitely a family affair. Those guys all pulled together and really put on a great event because, you know, like Kylie said when she took the mic, she was like, I didn't know how this thing was going to turn out. Was anyone going to show up? And um, I think it was a great event, man. I was, I was glad to be a part of it. Yeah, it was fun. Super fun. Great people. Yeah. Did you get to try some of the food? Yes, I did, actually. What was your favorite? Well, I had a churro and then a seven-layer dip and then a fish taco. Okay. I had the seven-layer dip. I, I didn't get my hands on the fish taco. They I just were all couldn't get really over good. There. You know, you were getting trampled on the, like you were saying, on the way to the hors d'oeuvre table, but, <laughs> which is, that's a good thing. Cause it's, it's great that Kylie was able to have that big of a turnout. So many people donated to a precious child, just a terrific event all around. So cool to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you got to support people that support you too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like that's extremely important to, um, be there for people, uh, especially through any sort of thing that means something that that's bigger than yourself. And I love how your sister's been there for you through some of the things you've been through. Yep. Um, very touching story. I mean, do you mind sharing some of your story? For sure. Um, where to begin? It's kind of a long one. So what, what it's, it's CS? Cystic CF. fibrosis, right? Yes, CF. CF. Okay, CF. So I was born with cystic fibrosis. It's a genetic lung disease that affects your lungs, obviously, as well as a bunch of other organs like your kidneys, your liver, your pancreas. Like my pancreas doesn't work, so I have to take enzymes every time I eat. And so CF causes thicky, like sticky, thick mucus in your lungs. So it makes it hard to breathe, creates a lot of infection, and causes a lot of hospitalizations. So I was in the hospital a lot growing up. um, And as I got older, it got worse, so I was you know, in the hospital for a couple weeks here and there, every couple months. Um, And then once I was in college, I was down to 30% lung function already. 
And so I needed a transplant. So they started talking to me about one. And yeah, so I got, I was living in Boston at the time, actually. That's okay. where I grew yeah. up. Boston, Mass, huh? Yeah. I'm a New Englander. I grew up in Wolfburg, New Hampshire. Oh, hell yeah. Not, not far north of there. <laughs> so um, I got evaluated for a transplant in Boston at first. And then they were like, you're too well to get a transplant at the time. So you can't be too well, but you can't be too sick. Interesting. So it's like this fine line this of like. Goldilocks zone of yeah. critical health. Totally. Hmm. So they're like, we're just going to monitor you every six months, come in and, you know, see what your quality of life was. I wasn't on oxygen. And so I was still able to do stuff for myself. So I was like, okay, I'm good right now. And so then eventually I was like, I want to move to Colorado because I've been going here to visit my mom's friend in Boulder for like years. And I was like, the first time I came here, I was like, I'm going to move here one time, yeah. one day, one day. And here you are. Yeah, here I am. When did you make the jump? What year? 2016. Okay. So, so you've been here about, uh, what, give or take eight years? Yeah. But did my math right? No, six years, sorry. Six years, it's 2022. 1622, yeah. No, I'm horrible at math. Don't ask me. Because <laughs> I've been here since 2007, so that's a better part of 15 years, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's but. a good amount of time, though. Yeah. So um, before I moved, I got really sick before mm. my move date, so I had to move my move date. Mm. So I was in the hospital for, like, three weeks, uh, and that's when I got put on oxygen for, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, and then, so my sister... When I got really sick, she decided, hey, I'm going to mo help move you out to Colorado. I'm going to drive you. And I think that's when she decided to become my caregiver because we knew I was going to need a transplant because my um, care team in Boston was like, all right, once you move, you need to find a transplant center, get on a list, and get a transplant. Mm -hmm. um, so once I moved, it was like in February when I went to the Colorado, the UC Health, to check out their transplant team and so I had an appointment and I, everything was good everything was like okay yeah we'll do your transplant um, and then the next day they call me and they're like just kidding we can't do it oh geez so so, so that's like it's like one of those <laughs> things where it's like okay all this anticipation's building over this and then now you're like okay I had to move my move I'm doing all these things I'm ready to go and then it's like they pump the brakes on you yeah, so they're like, we didn't realize all the bacteria that you're growing in your lungs. It wasn't anything too crazy, but they were resistant to, like, every single antibiotic. Hmm. So they're like, if you were to get an infection post-transplant, we wouldn't be able to treat you very well, and the outcome wouldn't be good. So they didn't want to take the risk. I understand now, but I was, like, you know, upset then. Mm -hmm. um, so I will say this. The director of the transplant team is there no more. The guy is gone. So he didn't really like people with CF, so... Hmm. So the whole transplant team now is um, revamped and everybody's good on it now. Nice. I mean, uh, how many, do you know, like, s stats on how many people are affected by this? Or like not being able to go somewhere? No, C CF. Oh, um, I think it's now maybe 40,000 in the U.S. Really? It was 30,000 for the longest time. Hmm. So not a massive number. So cystic fibrosis... I mean, I don't know a lot about it. So you're saying like it created bacteria in the lungs. Is that was that a result of CF? Yeah, you or? just yeah you grow a lot of bacteria because the mucus you can't get it out, so it harbors a lot of bacteria. Um, and you can grow like Pseudomonas, MRSA, like Cepacia, wow. um, uh, Macrobacterium, and there's a lot of different bugs. And some aren't worse than others. Like I didn't have anything. Well, I I did have MRSA in my lungs. Like I was super resistant to all antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Like I said. 
but some of them are deadly. So like we can't go near anyone else with CF. So there's a six foot rule. So we were doing it before it was cool. Okay. It was a six foot rule. We're not allowed to hang out with other people with cystic fibrosis. Wow. And, it's, it's that it's that contagious or yeah. like it can mutate that quickly just being around people with CF. Yeah, because I mean, 30, 40,000, like you said, doesn't seem like a large number compared to some of the other numbers we've seen that have been affected by other diseases. Right. I don't know much about it, so hmm. thanks for enlightening us. So sure. so when you had your transplant, uh, I, that was five years ago, so you still have cystic fibrosis? Yes. Yeah, so, I still have it. So you still have that. How did that, like, affect the transplanted lungs? Like, So I don't have it in my lungs anymore. Okay. but you, So that, that's kind of interesting, like, because you remove your lungs and it's a lung disease. So, like, that's that's where the problem is. So then those were transplanted, and now that it's no longer in your lungs, so how, do, how does it affect you after the transplant, I guess, is what I'm curious about. So I still have CF everywhere else, so mm-hmm. my body's still affected by it. Like, I still have chronic sinusitis. So I've had, like, eight sinus surgeries. Um, and then I have um, pancreatic pancreatic insufficiency so i take enzymes every time i eat Mm -hmm. so that's another part of it and then just over time like you can have liver problems and kidney issues and i've had my gallbladder removed and i've had like ports placed to be able to access ivs and Mm -hmm. i've had a feeding tube placed in my stomach and um just all that fun stuff so you've seen you've seen a lot there rima you've Mm -hmm. been through a lot medically i didn't realize i mean i i just didn't know enough about cf i didn't realize it attacked that many organs and you know, we actually were just having a conversation with some of earlier today about the gallbladder. Was that related to that or was that something different? Yeah, I had gallstones. It had to, it was from having CF something something just, happened. It just kind of attacks the internal organs. Does it does it change the way that you have to diet and, and the things you put in your body? So before my transplant and growing up like every doctor was like, gain weight, gain weight, because we're all like most of us are malnutritioned. Uh malnourished and so there is a group of people that you know their pancreas fine they don't need to take enzymes they don't have to gain weight but for me it was really hard to gain weight and um so i needed a feeding tube placed in my stomach and i still have it now um and yeah it's just like eat junk but like now as time goes on doctors are realizing like that's not the way to gain weight like because that can cause other problems like a lot of people with cystic fibrosis have diabetes Mm, so it's wow. CFRD. Um, luckily, I never had it. I was close in college when I was drinking beer, eating pasta, and having a whole candy drawer, <laughs> yeah. eating it every day. Sugar so. and carbs, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's typically what can lead to, to diabetes naturally, I guess. Because I'm still curious about CF and how that affects the body a little bit. So if they're telling you, hey, we need to gain weight and eat junk, like you had mentioned, the feeding tube, what, what kind of things are, like, what do they recommend going into the body? A lot of butter. Fat, so protein. Fat. High fat, high yeah, protein. Yeah, like get burgers and like mashed potatoes with lots of butter, gravy, and just... I mean, delicious items. Yeah, yeah go to McDonald's and that's fine, like every mm. week. Is that well, interesting? What do, you, what do you get from Mickey D's? I don't really go there anymore. Thank goodness. No, because no. like, there's other better fast foods out there. Yeah. Like that's the bottom of the barrel fast food for me. Like I don't care. I agree. If, if, whatever. Like, yeah. That's just how it is. No, I agree. But it's interesting to think like, here, pump yourself full of the, the foods that we oftentimes say, hey, these are not good for you, but we mm-hmm. need you to get the, the protein, the high-fat content, butter, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. I just didn't I didn't realize that uh, CF affected the body that way. Never really knew a lot about it, so it's good to learn mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So now, I mean, so talking about the lung transplant itself, how did, how did that work and how does that 
I mean, that's just out of anything I can comprehend. So I hope you can enlighten me on how that, that panned out. Uh, yeah. So back to not being able to get it here in Colorado, my sister did a bunch of research and found with her and her friend found the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Okay. So everyone thinks I went to the Mayo Clinic because it's in Minnesota, but I didn't go there. Um, the numbers for the U of M was way better for CF transplant. So I ended up going there. I called them, talked to the coordinator. I was like, can you accept me with these bacteria that I'm mm-hmm. growing? And they're like, yes, let's do an evaluation. Drove out there. It's like a 13, 14 hour drive. And so the evaluation is done over a week. There's so many tests and appointments and classes like you have to take. It's pretty intense um, wow. and very tiring. I bet. So, I then, mean, especially if like you're having a hard time getting nutrition on top of it, or yeah, you know, and then you're at, like it's stressful because you're you're like fighting for your life and stuff. Yeah. You so know? I was on oxygen full time at that point, um, and my sister was doing stuff for me. You know, she would drove she drove the whole way. She wouldn't let me drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, and they're like, "We'll call you in two weeks." They called me. And they're like, "Yes, we'll do your transplant." And I wanted to enjoy my summer. This was in April of 2016. Okay. And I was like, I want to enjoy my summer. Let's push off before I have to, you know, get listed or anything. I did not enjoy my summer. I was in the hospital so much. Oh, jeez. I went back for a trip back in Boston. And then I came back and I caught a cold. And I landed in the hospital for three weeks. And I was like coughing up stuff that looked like chocolate milk. It was brown and disgusting. TMI. But like, that's how sick I was. And then they're like... I found this out after the fact. They were like, they're like, she's not going to make it. They're like, she's she's getting too close to needing a oh, transplant. They, they thought that that cold was maybe what would do you in. Yeah, because it really, like, every cold knocks you down more and more, and you lose lung function. Hmm. So I think I was, like, at 18% that, at that point. Jeez. Wow. So That's then, pretty intense. Yeah. So then my sister was like, we were going to stay here while listed, in Minneapolis, but then the logistics got too stressful. Like, if I had a dry run, or if like it didn't, you know, if it didn't work out, then I have to pay for the flight. Or if it was a, you know, medical flight, it was just getting too much. So we're like, we're just gonna move there. So my sister researched, found a place for us to live, and, and then we moved. That's crazy. That's well, and and I also like I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way, but you being open uh, about this experience and and normalizing it. You know, and uh, what it was like normalized medical devices, like you're holding up a sign in one of your pictures. Um, I, I feel like that's such a, a powerful message that helps so many people because when you're dealing with ailments, like you're, you're kind of like, you know, dealing with like your own security at the same time, I, like with mentally like coping and stuff with stuff, right? So if you normalize it, then it, it helps the people. Like I, I used to do, have a he- heavy opiate addiction and I've talked about it a lot on, on this podcast because mm-hmm. it's, it's important to talk about the hard times because everyone's going through some kind of hard time. Totally. You know, so the fact that you talk about it, I, I love that. Yeah. Hopefully can, can enlighten some folks, you know, including mm-hmm. myself. Cause I, I didn't really know a lot of this stuff. I mean, I heard the terminology before, but I didn't really realize how it affected the body Right. and some of the things you had to go through. I mean, there was a big sacrifice that had to be made you know, to, to um, get you to where you're at now. So, I mean, as, as the, the world turns, so now you have to get a lung transplant. And, mm-hmm. and how does that work? Is it, you know, I, I got a friend that's going through a kidney transplant that's happening right now. So there's a list, of course. Yes. I've got to find someone that's a match in that sense. But how does that work? Like, what did that look like? So I had to get evaluation first. 
they see how you are medically, and there's a bunch of different tests that gives you an LAS score. So it's the score number that puts you on the list of like where on the list you are, whether you're low, high, that means how fast you're gonna get the call. And what's the LAS score mean? Um, I forget. Okay. <laughs> I have a horrible memory from the drugs now. I'm sure. Um, but so, something of like level of uh, like something surgery. I was gonna say lung analysis score, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe that's what it could maybe be. Perfect. Is. I just maybe. won it, but maybe <laughs> we'll just roll with that. But yeah, then what happened? Um, so I had to get on the list, and after I moved to Minneapolis in September of 2016, I got on the list. And then I had my first call, um, either Halloween night or the day after Halloween. And so they called me in and I go in and the, the OR time kept getting pushed and it kept getting pushed. And we were there for like 24 hours in the room waiting. And so I finally got wheeled down and put it in the room and they're like, count back to 100. So I did. I don't remember what I got to. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up. I was super groggy, my throat hurt, and I heard someone near me and I asked them if I got my transplant and they said no, not thinking oh, I wouldn't be able to ask them because I'd have a breathing tube down my throat. Oh. So I didn't get it. It was canceled after I was put to sleep and after I was intubated. Luckily wow. they didn't like start cutting into me. Yeah. It was, can so it was canceled Jeez. so they put you under anesthesia and then they said, nope, it's not happening. Yep, because they, they looked at the lungs again, the donor lungs, and it looked really inflamed. I don't know why they didn't catch this before. Mm. And they're like, it could be an infection. So they're like, we're not going to put these in her. Mm. So did they find another another pair of lungs? Eventually. Like, yeah. But they like, kept me overnight for observation because it was it's very stressful and bad to put someone under anesthesia with like how bad my lungs were. At that point, it was like 16% lung function wow. so they kept me over and then i received another call on april fool's day oh, no okay. lie and it was canceled within seven hours mm. so that was better we didn't get our hopes up that time we were pretty upset after the first one my sister and i oh, i bet that can be demoralizing i'm sure because you're like here we go at this time and then you wake up and you're like what do you mean it didn't happen yeah totally wow. so we didn't get our hopes up the second time and then the third call was um, the day before Mother's Day, and it was a go, and it actually happened, and it happened on Mother's Day. Okay. So it was like all these random holidays. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's so crazy to think about how many times you're, like, prepared and ready, and it keeps, like, getting delayed. Right. I, is that, is that, I, I bet you that's like a normal thing. It happens a lot. Like, I know that some people have had like five dry runs or even 13 dry runs really? I've heard. I'm like, oh my God. So I only waited eight months on the, on the list, but I had a friend who waited two years and eight months because wow. she was like small, um, like smaller than me. Mm -hmm. So I was, because of my height, I'm able to accept male lungs. Okay. So I don't know whose lungs I have. I've, I haven't gotten in contact with them. Like, they haven't reached out, and I haven't reached out yet, because I just don't know how to start the letter. Yeah, we'll, we'll bless them, though. Bless yeah. that family. Yeah, exactly. You know? Makes me feel like uh, I, I think I'm on the donor list. Good. Yeah, I am, you too. You know? I 100%. mean, why, what do I need after I'm gone? Like, why should I have to be buried whole? Yeah, it makes sense to be an organ donor, of course, because you can save lives. You can you can make great things happen. I'm still trying to wrap my head, because I've never, I've never talked to someone that's had a lung transplant. Uh, very new, and I just have a lot of questions. It's like... How does that work? You know, I'm not I'm not a medical expert, of course, but I, I just think about like 
the, the respiratory system is so crucial to our cardiovascular system and everything's connected, right? Like, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, so um, I'm not sure of all the logistics, but they did have to like, so there's two ways you can cut someone open for this type of surgery. It's either clamshell or sterni, or this way, the sternum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the clamshell. And so they just, I have pictures, but I'm not gonna show you guys. Okay. Um, that you're That's like, fair. you know, pride open. Did you see it? Like you have pictures of maybe mid surgery, I would have yeah. a hard time. Like I'm, Kevin will crack his middle knuckle too hard, and it will make me like, oh. <laughs> like I, yeah, I'm, medical stuff freaks me. I have out. a hard time with that. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's pretty intense. Mom, my mom's getting ready to get in, get her back sliced today when this oh, episode God. drops. She's going in for a fifth back fusion. It's unreal. Oh, it's failed every time. They're going to fuse her from her neck to her tailbone. Um, so we're thinking about mom, of course, today yeah. this episode drops, but it's, it's amazing what it's they can do. It's going to take this time. It'll it's going to take this yep. time. It's, it will. But it's amazing what they can do. Like you said, clamshell, they basically slice you open. They they have exposed now your organs, your lungs are there. I, I just, I can't picture how that would work. It's pretty crazy. And it's a miracle that like science has come this far that you can do, you know, both lungs at the same time. And some people get lungs and a liver or lungs and a heart mm-hmm. at the same time. Obviously wow. they do like, you know, the lungs first or the heart first. I don't know which one would come first. Um, but I think my surgery was seven and a half hours, but like for people who have complications or have a surgery that requires more than one organ, it's like 12, plus hours it's a long time i'm like under. who is standing there doing this without like are they taking breaks are they like tagging yeah. in like what's happening they have to tag in because I, I i believe that human capacity is like you can do something straight for about four hours before you kind of mentally start checking out right and and have a hard time performing that at peak level like i feel like there's like a four hour limit is, that's what I've heard, and it was it was all based off huh. labor, like doing construction and stuff. Like you could only like shovel, um, you know, rocks for four hours before your body like is like I can't do this task anymore. Interesting, you know, yeah, so whether physically or mentally, because I think about a surgeon. We talked about mm-hmm. this earlier about you know because my mom's getting ready to go under for seven eight hours. Oh God! For for this back fusion, it's like that's a long time to be in there tweaking around and and playing operation, if you will. It is um, not something I could do. I don't feel like I don't think I was built to do something like that. I mean, that's a major responsibility, whether you have a passion for it or not. I mean, there's a natural skill set to it as well to be able to go in there and open someone up and say, hey, we're going to basically redesign the fundamentals of your body. It's incredible. It is. And like you guys were saying about organ donation, like everyone, I feel like, should be an organ donor. I'm an ambassador for UNOS, which is the United Network of Organ Sharing. So we always try to promote more people to sign up and you can do that at the DMV or on, you know, when you renew your license, I think you can do it online. Yeah. Everybody out there, if you're not a donor, just do it. You're going to be gone anyway. Like just go ahead and get on that list. I I completely agree with your, your mission there. I support it. I support it for sure. hundred percent. Now, you know, when I'm gone, would you want to take my liver? Probably not a great idea. <laughs> I've done a lot of drinking, but uh, I'm sure there's a couple of good things in there that could be used. Totally. Yeah. You know, but I think the fact remains, yes, everybody should consider doing that. Um, you, you know, you could, you could help save a life for sure, even when you're gone. So Exactly. I'm with you there. That's super important. And it's, it's just a, a, a journey life is. Like, you know, to even be alive. So uh, sometimes I'll get on kind of like a, hi- a hippie rant. Um, this is Colorado, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But like even just to be alive and have a com- conversation and understand what you're saying, what I'm saying, there's like billions of synapses happening 
between the three of our brains instantly right now. And it's quite the symphony of things that are all playing together. And we're all breathing right now. And like, you know, the lungs are a huge piece of that, like with the things that you've had to overcome with that. So do you feel like with what you've experienced that the lens that you look through life through is just like really grateful or like, like is every day to you, like, I mean, I feel blessed every day. Like I've lightly mentioned in this conversation with you, like overcoming opiates and like, you know, a lot of people don't make it out of that battle. That's true. So I feel like I have a second lease on life. Do you kind of feel the same way? A hundred percent. Yeah. I try to live life. Um, I don't take things for granted. You know, I try to make memories with the people who matter and who count, you know, and try to get all these experiences that I never could do before. Like just knowing like what I was before transplant and what I am now, like my sister had to make my, I couldn't make my bed. I couldn't carry things. She had to, I couldn't wash dishes, Mm -hmm. make food for myself. She had to carry things for me. She, I didn't drive for like 12 months because like all, because I was on antibiotics, IV antibiotics for uh, 10 months straight. Wow. Because they're like, this is keeping you stable. We're not going to take it off because we feel like your lung function would dip. Um, so the lowest I ever got was 14% lung function, but then it went back up to 16, and that's where I was. Where's it at now? 104. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that's like full send. Yeah, full send. That's, that's terrific. Yeah, so now I can hike. I can do my laundry. I can work out. Um, I've done three 14ers, and Kylie hiked one of them with me. Shout out, Kylie. Rock on. Yep, yep. That's awesome. That's Which, cool. What was that one? It was beer stat. Okay. Oh, beer stat. Yeah, I haven't done that one. We did James Peak. That's the highest we've been. Yeah, almost. And that's not even a fourteen. Mm-hmm. Is it a thirteener? Yeah, it was a high thirteen. It was like a okay. thirteen six or something. Thirteen seven, thirteen eight. Yeah. James Peak Wilderness. No, James Peak just above St. Mary's Glacier. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I know where that is. It's it was a we, we did it early May, so it was still pretty pretty wintry Snowy. up there and, and very very strong winds. Mm-hmm. But that was gonna be my question was when it comes to the hiking because I know I get extremely winded up there. I know like any time they test my oxygen, I haven't smoked. Um, I'm not a smoker. I chew tobacco, but so my like I usually get like 97% oxygen when they test me. So I feel like my oxygen levels are good. But you know, when you get up in those high countries and those low yeah. um, air density, you know, high altitude, it's tough to breathe, even for folks with probably very healthy functioning lungs. So what does that feel like now? Because did you hike before when you're at low lung function? Um, not. I I was hiking before I got really sick, um, so I was probably in the 20s, and I was like hiking in Massachusetts, so that was not at elevation, right. mm. and so I was able to go at a slow pace. I could hike, um, and then once I got sicker, obviously I couldn't do anything like that. Yeah, and now you can summit 14ers. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing what modern medicine and organ donors can do. Exactly. Yeah. an organ donor. Yes. <laughs> yes. Camera was on you, so that was perfect. No, but it's it's so important, and, you know, God bless it. Like, I'm not a religious person, but I am extremely spiritual, and I, like, I believe in higher energies and powers. But, I mean, there's things at play in this life, you know, and um, I look at affirmation like prayer. So the more positive that you speak to yourself – the more positivity will ha- like happen around you. Like it's almost like prayers being received. Um, but yeah, to whoever made that decision to end up helping you, and it's crazy you don't know if, if you have like a, a male or female lung set or the family. Like that, I would be ex- kind of curious. 
I know. I need to write that letter. I mean, how do you even, how would you, have you done, do you know the family or? No. So I would have to send it to my transplant coordinator in Minneapolis Hmm. um, and then they would pass it on to the family. Okay. Like, and then the family can decide if they want to respond or not. Yeah. So they would broker that in in like that uh, interaction. Right. Sort of thing. Okay. And where did the procedure take place? In Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think what else, because I know you were asking, like, what it was like. And I did have uh, five chest tubes after transplant, and I had way more back pain than anything. And I think it was because I was laid out like this, you know. Yeah. And I did something to my nerves and my back, and it was just horrible. Like, I could not get comfortable. And, like, after that surgery, I couldn't lay on my side for, like, weeks and weeks mm-hmm. um, just because of everything that happened. So um, you had to lay on your back. Yep. And I had to, like sit in the chair or lay in the back and I couldn't lay flat and it was just horrible, annoying pain mm. for, I was so, only in the hospital for 16 days actually. So it was pretty quick. Are you a side sleeper now then? I've always, yeah, I've always been yeah. a side sleeper, but I lay on my back sometimes and then I go on my side. Yeah. I, I feel like I naturally lay as a side sleeper. I'm all over the place when I, so I can't, I, and I feel like I wake up every time that I adjust in the night. That's me every yeah. night. Yeah. I'm it's the same horrible. Way. But I fall back asleep, but it's like, I'm kind of waking up frequently like i honestly don't know if do i i don't know maybe i lay for maybe i lay still for a sleep cycle like i've I've never done that research but i feel like i'm a very light sleeper and i'm a very light sleeper too mm-hmm. and i wake up to move every time i like adjust like you said that's mm-hmm. unanimous all around i feel the best on my side like when i'm like spooning a pillow or something you know kind of take some of that energy because totally. if i lay on my stomach my, my arms are going to go numb Oh, wait, I, yeah, I need a hug a pillow. Hug a yeah. pillow. That's the way. That's that's where I sleep the most comfortable, and I don't wake up with things hurting mm-hmm. or numb. Because we've all, I mean, we've all slept on something, and you wake up to the point where like I have to grab my arm with my other arm <laughs> to move it. It has no mobility because I've slept on it that long. Jeez. That's, oh, that's a rough crazy. feeling. I don't think I've I've went that numb. You've never felt that numb. Not from sleeping, but sometimes like I know like if if I like sleep with my hands up here, then. Get the it, it, yeah, it kind of tingles. I'm like, that's yep. it's like, so I have to yeah, like same. keep it on my my belly, is like where my hands need to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. If I sleep like that, my shit gets a little tingly. Yeah, I don't like it, and and I, I didn't know if it was like because I I was excessively drinking whiskey and eating a lot of jalapeno chips, <laughs> and um, and so I was gaining some weight, and I feel like since I've lost some of that that weight, that I am. I, I don't experience that as much when I sleep, mm. but it is interesting because I'm, I'm in my mid thirties right now. So, you know, just getting older, how you're respecting your day and, you know, thinking about, oh, well, if I sleep this way, you know, I, I don't want to wake up with my pinky numb again. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's good problems to have, but it's still, it's still kind of funny. That's a constant reminder of just the human body and what it does and what mm. it's capable of. And, you know, if you don't treat it right, or if you sleep on something wrong, it's like, it's going to let you know. It's going to let you know for sure. I mean, I feel pretty fortunate, uh, you know, to be relatively, I guess, medically healthy, I would say. I mean, I drink a lot of alcohol. I'm sure my liver is going to show those results. Um, But for the most part, I feel pretty good. You know, my hip clicks a little bit when I get out of bed for the first part of the day. You got a hip click? Yeah. You know, you get out of bed, it's all. My knees and my hips click too, especially when I work out. I was like, or ab workouts. I'm like, what is that 
grindy, clippy, clicky yeah. sound. It, it can be kind of a, like a nuisance, I feel like, you know, or a distraction to the day. Like, oh, why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. But that's, I guess, that's maybe just comes with age a little it's bit. Like just car- getting older. Cartilage is that what's yeah. causing that? I feel the like that noise? could be it. The, the snap, crackle, pop. It's like I'm having breakfast all day. Like it's just, it's like, it's like, a fr- it's like a fresh bowl of snap, crackle, pop all day. What do they call it? Rice Krispies treats? Yes. It's a yeah. little bit of that, you know, and then obviously, you know, when I cracked that middle nut. That one wasn't that bad. That wasn't too bad. But like we've been in areas where it's an echoey area and he'll snap that and it just makes me, and I've, I've injured my ankle horribly before and. Are you he, squeamish? I, I guess. Yeah. I am too. Though. I'm a little like, oh. I don't. I don't I have like a hard that time stuff. with it. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me like almost lightheaded sometimes. Like when I go to hospitals or see like blood being drawn from me or something. Like I'm like, Phew. yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to look. How how do you do with all that? I'm fine with it. Like yeah. I get blood taken like once a month. It was like every week, and then it was every two weeks. But now it's like once a month, and like I watch it. Yeah, like I, I'm like it? one of those people that has to look at it. If I don't look at it, I don't know. I feel weird if I don't, can't see what's happening. See, when like, I look at it, I feel like I get like. My eye starts going crazy. I'm like, oh. And then I feel like I'm going to pass out. I've always been, like, woozy, though, around blood and things like that. Mm-hmm. I've broken some bones. I've been through a couple medical procedures. But fortunately for me, nothing crazy to this point. But the human body, man, this is a fragile piece of equipment. It is. We've got to take care of it. It's, it's like, resilient and fragile. It's an oxymoronic existence. Yes. Because it's, like, it does both. Like, you can really beat the crap out of your body, but at the same time, you do it just in, just like when, you know, like, fighters and stuff, like, Everyone have, like has that button somewhere in your chin where you could just like knock somebody out, but you can take a beating in your face too and not get that button pressed, you know. So it's just, it's just interesting, like, and I know that's an odd analogy. I haven't heard it worded that way, but that was good. Yeah, well, I just watched the UFC stuff. Like one <laughs> of my buddies, one of my right buddies here, over. Is it right here? Yeah. Hmm. That's. I mean, I've always heard the button there, but maybe there is another button. I don't know. I don't know. I feel it has something to do with your chin. Maybe. I feel yeah. like there's a button if you pick up your sock the wrong way, you can put your back out or, like, put, <laughs> yes. your, put your neck out if you're, like, stretching. That happened to me once when I woke up. I, like, went like this. Oh, my neck. I couldn't move it for, like, days. Oh. oh, did you get, like, where you had to do the, like, the old person turn, like, where you have to turn your shoulders to turn your neck and yeah. your neck? I have to go that's like the, this. That's the worst feeling. It's, it's the worst. Or Sometimes I'll get that if I'm on a bad pillow at, like, a hotel, mm-hmm. or maybe even a motel. Mm-hmm. I'll sleep on a pillow that's not good, and then I'll wake up, and I'm like, oh, it hurts. And I got to do the old man, like, you know, when you're ordering breakfast, yes, I'll take this. You know, that's not a good feeling. <laughs> All I do, like, when I picture Batman in the earlier years that they were doing these Batman movies, and, like, Batman couldn't move his neck. Uh, you know, so, so, like, whenever Batman would talk to people, he would be intensely, like... shoulders with it. Yeah. I mean, I... I that's happened to me recently too, probably within the last six months or so. But it, it was like a bad one where I just was trying to stretch it out, just like normal. And something about how I did it, like maybe I didn't breathe correctly with the stretch movement, because like the oxygen flow with your movement is is important. Like if you're like stretching and like touching your toes or whatever, and then you come up, you should breathe in while you're coming up. Like mm-hmm. is, is is kind of like the technique I was taught, but. What are you going to do? I feel like in our 30s, that's just, you move the wrong way and then something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so many people told me that for years. They're like, just wait. I, I, I always heard like this, just wait till you get older thing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm immortal. It'll never happen to me. We all have kind of a little bit of that, like, mm, not going to happen to me. And then one day it does. And you realize, is this getting older? Is this, you know, do I have some sort of degenerative disc disease like my mother has? 
Um, you know, there's obviously different factors. People have genetic things that are handed down. Some people are healthy as an ox into their 50s, 60s, 70s, mm. whatever, never have a problem. But I think there is physical ailments that we feel as we start to hit our 30s, you know, especially if we've done, you know, a lot of physical activity, your body starts to go, hey, man, you can't keep going this way or something's going to break. Totally. My knee started hurting on hikes. So, like, it was, it started not this last summer, the summer before. I was like, okay, when you hit mile four, your knee's going to hurt. Yeah. And now it's like I hit mile two and now my knee starts to hurt. And it, like, mm. really hurts. Like, I start, I have to limp the rest of the way. Oh, jeez. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Is it like a cartilage thing, like ACL, MCL, or do you think it's just like wear and tear on, on the on the joint itself? Maybe. The second one you said. I don't that, know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know pigeon toed. So the opposite of that, I know my right foot is like out a little bit. So I try when I go on intentional walks around, it's like an exercise. I try to pay attention to like line it up. But then I feel like I've been walking so long without it lined up that when I try to line it up, like it kind of like I can feel it the after effect more. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. Because like you're trying to change your anatomy, I guess. Mm hmm. But I don't know. Walking is crucial. How about swimming? Are you a swimmer too, or no? I mean, I can swim, mm -hmm. but like, there's not really too many places to swim. I mean, we've gone like to the creeks and stuff in the summer, but yeah. Well, see, and you're from my neck of the woods, so swimming in lakes and the places where we grew up, lakes in the ocean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, out here, sorry guys, I love you. Colorado's beautiful. It's all reservoirs. It's all it's all man-made yeah, they call stuff. Them, they call them Cherry Creek or Lake. What was it? Cherry Creek Reservoir? No, it's yeah. a reservoir. Mm -hmm. No, it's a man-made. There piece really of water. isn't any lakes out here. I mean, Grand, Grand Lake's beautiful. Lake. Yeah, Grand Lake's beautiful. Lake Dillon's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but even that's a reservoir. Lake yeah, Dillon you can't has, swim in it, right? Well, you can, but only during the summer. But even during the summer in Lake Dillon, I didn't know like that. it's like three to four feet down underneath the surface. Like it's extremely cold year round up there. Well, yeah, it's high altitude. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful lake, though. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't do swimming in there. I haven't really done a lot of swimming in Colorado. You know, I grew up on Lake Wimpasaki, New mm. Hampshire's most beautiful lake. So good. You know, spring I need to fed. see that at some point in my life. We're going to take a visit back there for mm -hmm. sure. We were just talking to my book, my good buddy Greg earlier. Uh, oh yeah, from back in New England. He's talking about wick, wicked, uh, cool, and dude, and dude that, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, wicked, wicked, yeah, dude, <laughs> or whatever. I I tried to like I'm horrible with impersonations, and I butchered that one. When like, it comes to New England, because obviously we're from the same area, mm -hmm. uh, the accent for me is gone. If I drink enough, it'll come out. Or if I get around my buddies. We will start to party wicked hard. <laughs> we'll do a wicked pissa. We'll take this thing all the way. You know, and whatnot, and whatnot. Get some certs. Maybe get onto the packy, the packy, the packy. Yeah, that's the where you get. That's where you get some is, beers. Is that the park? The no, package no, no. store. The, See, the package knows. store is the packy. The packy. I know snips though. If you're gonna go to the packy, you're gonna What's get some snips? beer. Snips is like a shooter. That's nips. 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 <laughs> of course, we're, I fucked that up. <laughs> we're, he's getting there, but yeah, we're gonna go down to the packy, get some nips, a couple of beers. You know, we're gonna hang out. People think it. I'm so weird when I say, I was like, should I get some nips? They're like, what? They're, they're like, like they're shooters. Talking? I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I know, because I, I sell alcohol in my day job, and I can't use the word nips out here in Colorado. Back home? You should, you should bring from, it out here. People are like, nips? What the hell is that? You should bring it out just, here. Just like when we talk about ice cream cones, okay? They're not, they're sprinkles out here. Back home, they're jimmies. The chocolate ones. The chocolate jimmies and rainbow Wait, jimmies. Jimmies are the sprinkles out there? Yeah. They call them jimmies? Jimmies. Huh. That's very New England. I did not know that one. Good stuff. We have a lot of, you know, so one of the things we're going to talk about on Happy Friday, which is going to air tomorrow, is about some of the uh, the different 
takes that New England has versus the rest of the country on their Thanksgiving preferences. Oh. So I'll ask you this, and we're going to ask the same question on Happy okay, Friday. Okay, no, this will be good, yeah. Apple pie, pumpkin pie. I grew up with apple pie, but over here, um, I guess pumpkin pie. And that's the split. That's, that's so, really what we're coming so to So if you had with. to pick one forever and always. Apple pie. Apple pie. Okay. That's true New England. And I'm going to agree with her on that because um, my mom makes the best apple pie ever. I got to try it. She draws the little things into the crust. Ooh, fancy. Like, oh, it's, it's real nice. It's real nice. I love pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. But my New England roots growing up with Macintosh apples and working on an apple farm in New England, apple pie all the way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, all the apple orchards. Like, I never had pumpkin pie till I came here, and my fiance was like, oh, my God, I love pumpkin pie. We have to have pumpkin pie. I was like, what's so good about it? I was like, that doesn't look like it's going to be good. Yeah. And I tried it, and it's good. It, it is good. But you have to add whipped cream on that. Nah. Do you add whipped cream on apple pies? Now, do you go a la mode with your apple pie? A la mode? Ice cream. Vanilla ice yeah. cream, yeah. A la mode? That's a la mode, bro. Is that some more No, that's not New England stuff. That's even fancier than New England. Is that just a type of ice cream? A la mode is probably like French or something. I don't even know. No, not a type of ice cream. It's just like having ice cream with it, right? Correct. Oh, interesting. Correct. I feel like I'm really getting educated right now. I do. I do. That's what we do Take here. Take Thank God it's recorded. I can at least listen back one time. Yeah. yeah. So when someone says, "Hey, do you want your, you know, your apple pie a la mode?" Uh-huh. That's usually, you know, you're gonna have your warm apple pie with maybe a slice of, or a scoop of cold vanilla ice cream. Interesting. Delicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love ice cream with pastries, especially. In, I'm salivating. Um, <laughs> a, a brownie, like a brownie with ice cream, the oh. vanilla bean. Oh, yeah. Let's a la mode my brownie, please. I don't know if I've ever heard of brownie alamode. Is that, that's got to be a thing, I've though, maybe. I've never heard of it either, but that sounds good to me. <laughs> how, how about creme brulee? You guys into that? It's okay. It's a little too sugary. It's too sugary, and I feel like it's too uh, just difficult to eat. You know, you're just digging at it with your fork. It's bougie. It's bougie. So what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? I know we're doing one more episode before Thanksgiving, but it's 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 happening. The holidays are here. What is okay? I have a couple questions now. We'll stick with that first one. Yeah. What What is um, your favorite dish? You're good. Sorry about that. You're good. Um, the stuffing. The stuffing is Ooh, stuffing. Now, are you like a stovetop or do you like like the homemade? Homemade all the way. Yeah. yeah. So do they? You know, stuffing stuffed in the turkey. No. Just really? just the stuff. But is it still considered stuffing? Yes. Then, yes. Technically, even 100%. though it wasn't stuffed. I mean, it was designed to put it in the turkey's carcass, of course. Yeah. But. As a side, it's great. I feel like it's got to be moist. If it's, it's got a little gravy on it, I'm mm. good. Otherwise, it's very dry. Yeah. But it also depends on who's making it and what ingredients go into it. But I love Jamie Rorick, the guy that hosted us when this podcast started, makes some of the best basement, no. homemade stuffing I've ever had. I don't like, think I've ever had was, Jamie's oh, stuffing. dude, it is good. You, need to, you need to get a bowl. Try it. You need to get a taste of that. Stuffing, I'm going to put that up there. Green mm. bean casserole for me is mm. up there. Mm. It's no. up there. If it's done right. That's like a Midwestern thing. You think? Yeah. I think casseroles are like a Midwestern thing. I do like casseroles, though. They're Throw right. everything into a dish, put some cheese on it, send it. So I'm going to go simple, but it has to be done right, mashed potatoes. Potatoes. I mean, is, yeah. come on. That's it's a staple. That's one of my favorite things. Like, you mix it. Like, when I do my plate, I like to kind of just, like, chop it all up and, like, make it a big... Um, what would you call smorgasbord. that? A smorgasbord. Smorgasbord, yeah. yeah. Or hodgepodge, as my mom uh, would hodgepodge, say. Hodgepodge, yeah. Let's make some goulash out of it. Some goulash. <laughs> I've already put you in responsible for potato duty for Thanksgiving. I'm going to have to do some I'm studying. smoking the turkey. Mm-hmm. And so that brings me to my next question, which we're also going to talk about on Happy Friday. So out of the New England area, the only area in the country, do you prefer your turkey smoked or roasted? 
I guess I grew up with it roasted. So did I. And then you mean in a smoker? Smoker or, yeah, just any sort of smoke on, on like a turkey. Like a Traeger kind of a thing? Yep, which is how I'm going to do it. My sister's fiancé smoked it last year for Christmas, and it was one. Of, it was the best turkey I've ever had. Mm. That's what so I like now I'm team smoke. Well, nice. we grew up we grew up roast like with roasted turkey because we were looking at some t- statistics that we're going to talk about on Happy Friday. So roasted is like in the oven, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's in an oven roasting bag, what have you. So that's usually that's how I grew up. That's pretty. Common. That's how my mom did it. But my mom's from Chicago, like Skokie area. My mom's know. from Chicago too. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Chicagoans. Is it Chicago night? Oh gosh, Chicago I Inn. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> and you were from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. so in New Hampshire, we would call some of these folks mass holes. Yes, I'm a mass hole. I'm a mass hole driver. <laughs> Are you really? Oh yes. <laughs> now that she's back behind the wheel, you're like, I'm, I'm taking all these years Are you, back. You're right a full now. mass hole driver. I am. I, I try to scale it back. I'm like, okay, I'll try not to be too so much. What does that mean exactly? Like, how, how would you describe your driving without using mass hole? aggressive, defensive, like I know where I'm going and I'm getting there, get out of my way, or use your damn blinker, mm-hmm. or blinka, whatever. Blinka. blinka. <laughs> <laughs> um, and slow people, get out of the left lane. You don't yes, belong there. agree with that. Like, just slow people in general. Like, go to, get to where you're going and get there. Like, not slowly. Mm. <laughs> there is something about the way we drive in New England, and just a lot of things that we do differently over there, I feel like. I was telling Arthas a little bit, like when I moved out here, you know, everything back home is very fast-paced. Even at the grocery store, like the way they check you out, you know, it's quick. Like, let's get you in, let's get you out. Everyone out here is just like a little more chill, a little more laid back, you know, not a real big sense of urgency. I can't say that across the board, of course. I'm not stereotyping that. But that's just kind of some of the things I've noticed. We grew up in an area that was very fast-paced. Now let's go, you know, which, which can result in some road rage, a little bit of anger sometimes. You know, when I did anger management and doing therapy, I was like, I blamed a lot of them where I grew up. Hmm. Like, I grew up around people that were just mad all the time. You know, get out of my way. You know, totally. whatever. That's just kind of like the New England culture, I feel like. Do you agree with that? I honk the horn a lot, and I flip people off. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> mm-hmm. Full sand. Boop, boop. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, I like to do the uh, the thumbs up. Oh, yeah. I like to wave sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey. The clap is yeah. one of my favorites. Because people don't know how to respond to that. They're like, uh, is he applauding me, or is he just being an asshole? The clap, I, I learned that one. I like that one. That one's fun. Driving's always just it's one of those things because... It brings out this rare piece. It's like a primal piece of humanity. And, you know, we're not technically supposed to be moving that fast as humans, right? So we're all, we're all out there, like, zooming around, feeling like, I, I guess, psycho- like, on a psychological level, maybe because we're in control of this machine that's, you know, tons and weighs tons, and that's not normal, even, like, even though we've been doing it for decades driving hasn't even been a century yet has it oh it's it's has a century right? yeah i mean has you, it? you look at henry ford 1919 okay yeah know, it's we're, been past, there. we're past it's century. been there yeah okay so just over yep um so congratulations to humanity on that <laughs> but like i feel like it, it brings out this piece of of people that they're everyone is just a little different when they're driving you know True. like you don't treat people like that when you're standing in a line like waiting behind people in a line or sometimes when people are walking really slow in front of me I'll, it'll test my patience a little bit. Same. Actually. <laughs> I'm like, I need to get around them right mm-hmm. away. Always full send. How can I get here the fastest? Get out of my way is usually how I respond. But I'm also courteous to the people too, right? Because you're going to have some slow folks, especially on the grocery lines or whatever. But on the roadways, I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't know. That, that's kind of a, a rough statement for me to say. Cause sometimes I get wild out there. 
I, I got places to go. Get the hell well, out of my you way. You got to drive a lot, of, a lot of the time too. I do a lot of driving, yeah. but I also I'm not a speeder. I mean, even though I'm a race car guy. Obviously, I host mm. a race car podcast. Um, I just I, I try to, I try to just abide by the, the road a little bit. My whole thing with with road rage is if my safety is not compromised, I'm good. If somebody compromises my safety on the highway mm-hmm. for wherever I'm going, that's where road rage kicks in for me. Somebody cuts me off. Somebody totally. changes lanes too yep. quickly. Somebody's being an idiot and compromising other people's safety around us, which could cause a pileup. That's where my road rage comes in. I'm like, what is this person doing? Mm-hmm. Get out of the way. Got to let them know that they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I totally I, agree with that. But do you know about the, the this courtesy thing when in driving? So, like, somebody gives you space. They let you in. You hit your uh, hazards for like a couple, and I, I let it do two clicks for thank you. I do it with the with the beams. I oh, just go okay. thank you. I yeah, usually no, go like behi- this. If they're behind you, yeah. I mean, there's a couple ways. Or you can tap the brakes. Yeah. And if people let me in, I let other people in. I was like, I'm gonna pay forward. I'm gonna be nice. So yeah, I, if there's a traffic hiccup and you start letting people in, I, uh, that's where I'm not going to cut people off. Yeah. You know, or try it's to like, be aggressive. Do the zipper. Do the, the zipper. zipper. Do the zipper. Yes. That's the big if, thing. If, if there's anything anyone can take from this episode besides donate, um, <laughs> it's to do the zipper when you're driving, for sure. It's so, it's so crucial. Donate your organs and do the goddamn zipper on I-25. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's the takeaway for sure. No, but I mean, all, all, all kidding aside, you still get frustrated because people are out there. Everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone's got their own mission, objective, places mm-hmm. they need to be. And, you know, for me, I always find it funny when people try to bend the rules of the road a little bit and then get mad at you or whoever the driver is for playing by the rules. So what I mean by that is maybe merging before it's a merge. Yielding before when it's or you know stop when it should have been a yield whatever the case may be these guys get out there and then they get pissed off because you're just doing your thing and all of a sudden this Yahoo comes in he starts flipping you off he's getting mad you see him throwing his hands up that's when I like to give him the clap I'm just like yeah man you got this mm-hmm. you know whereas old Kevin would roll the window down New England like, anger hang, comes up hang your body out of the window <laughs> caveman DNA is coming up and I hang my head out the window and I'm yelling I don't do that I try not to do that anymore that's good. Same. So you you would do the same. I would I yell. Yeah. Would you if, roll down the like if, the window? If and their window is open, I know they can hear me. I'll okay. roll mine down. Okay. So I can so they can hear me. Fantastic. <laughs> and now you got that that robust lung power where you can yes. really yell at them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So my driving style is is kind of changed over time. It's it's rare that I am in a rush to get somewhere because I, I can work from home and I do work from the studio as well. So I kind of like go when I want to though. Mm-hmm. So most of the time I'll be pretty calm driver, but there's just like that occasional day. It's like, it's like once every month or two or something where it's just like, I'm not letting anybody fucking in. Like, I don't, I don't want them to take my space or just like, I know there's a couple key points where it's like, okay, people are going to hang out in that lane to try to make up extra time and then cut in this lane at the last second. Yeah. Not in front of me today. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm driving like Grandpa Raw, and then other times I'm like, Grandpa, nah, you're not getting in. <laughs> but that's that's an interesting thing about driving. Um, are, do you do a lot of flights? Like, are you traveling more now? Um, Not necessarily. I was traveling a lot um, before COVID hit. Um mm-hmm. Because my sister was living in Minneapolis. Uh, she actually stayed there because I had to go back there so often for my transplant appointments because they wanted to keep a closer eye on me because I had a bunch of issues my first year. So they're like, come in every three months. And so I was flying every three months there. But that now she she lives here. She moved here 
not this past September, but the September before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to fly there anymore. And is, is she enjoying it out here? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And my transplant team is now switched to Colorado, so I don't have to go to Minneapolis anymore. That's excellent. Yep. Because it, it's taxing. Like, uh, traveling can be fun. It's an adventure for sure, but it's 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 not relaxing to me personally. Like, <laughs> depends on where you're traveling to. Yeah, you gotta exactly. be all organized. But even if you're like going to like a vacation, vacation, like I believe you need five days to like relax there because like your first three days it takes to actually like set in, and then after day three, you're actually like in, in comfort mode. Mm. So it's like you have to have a minimum of like a seven or eight day off because I don't believe going back to work the day after you get back. Like you travel all day and then you have to go to work the next day. Like I don't I don't like that. So my ideal vacation I guess would be you you fly out, so that's day one, and then you arrive that same day, but that's a travel day. And then so I'd need five days from there, so that's like six days total, and then the travel home day. And then the day, yeah, so like an eight-day vacation. I mean, unless you're planning on traveling internationally, and, mm-hmm. and by internationally I don't mean Canada or Mexico, like overseas, going across the pond, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, going somewhere local for, for travel, I feel like I, there's plenty of times where I can fly into a destination, grab the rental car, go have some fun, grab some good dinner, and then hit the hotel or Airbnb, whatever it is. You know, you, you, I think you can cram it in, you know. Well, you can, but it's not like um, you're doing stuff the whole time. Which is great. That's the whole yeah. point, right? I mean, there is some sort of that relaxation piece where you get to the beach and you can just kick your feet up and drink Mai Tais, you know, as the, as the tide rolls in. I, I agree with that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I like being on the move. I have no problem flying in late and then going to work the next day. Okay. I feel like you're one of not many. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that before. <laughs> so as far as downtime, because we're kind of talking about downtime chilling, um, when I do get that time, I normally like watching documentaries mm-hmm. or maybe playing some video games. What are, what are your go-tos when you're like, all right, work week's done, it's time to relax, time to, to recharge. What do you go? Where do you go to? I like to watch shows, obviously. Um, I like scary movies. Okay. Um, I recently started playing Fortnite. Oh. Um, I'm not bad at it. I'm pretty okay. good. Uh, I like to read as well. And then I have like 50 plus houseplants to take care of. Wow. Green thumb. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, no, it's it's half green, half brown. I kill plants sometimes, 50, and that's 50. okay. What kind of plants are you growing? Tropical plants. Okay. Houseplant. I, Just regular houseplants. Some fancy ones, some not. Like elephidendrums uh, ph- or whatever they're philodendrons called? Philodendrons. Yeah. Philodendrum. I, I'm not a good plant expert. Mm. My ex was real great at it, but... So yeah. I learned a little bit about plants, but I don't know some of the names, but I'm just curious, like, kind of what kind of stuff you're growing, you think? Yeah, I like Monsteras. I have some Hoyas. I have, like, three different Hoyas I'm trying. They Hoyas. have really beautiful blooms, if you're able to get them mm. to bloom, which they have to be under the right conditions, and I have yet to do so. Mm. So, Do you do, like, flowers or, like, orchids or anything like that? Or I have an orchid that I've gotten to rebloom here in Colorado, which I thought was I heard hard. that takes skill Yeah, to do an orchid in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, like they, they, like, die easy. They're fragile out here. They do. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it right. If you overwater, if you underwater, they're tricky. Yeah. One thing that I liked about when you walked into the studio space, because you're, you own 50 plants, 
Like you, you could just tell immediately. You looked around. You're like, I like your guys' fake plants, like because you can see. So like yeah, this shit ain't real. Yeah, there's no sunlight in here. You have the eyes for it. Yeah, no, there is none actually. And so, but we have to do it. We have to do it that way, um, or else, like you know, during the summertime when we're recording, like it messes up the lighting. Yeah, I was gonna say it's all you about know. the lighting. It is. Yeah, I mean, it must be like to have live plants here. They, they're not gonna work. So you know, the the fake plants kind of give it the the aesthetic and the cosmetic look and. That's fun. I like plants. I got a cactus at the house, and then I have some other plant that I don't know what it's called, um, but it's fun. I, I just got to remember to water it, really. Yep. I got one plant. I wish I remembered the name of it. It has like five leaves normally, and it's, it's five leaves. It's pretty resilient. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not marijuana, but it's uh, marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Is it a chiflera? Is it like an it's, umbrella? It's kind of like a. I feel like it like originated in like Oregon, and like kind of. But it li- it likes dry soil. It, like huh. I was overwatering it for a long time, and I didn't like quite realize it because um, I was new to it. And the the drier I kept it, like the happier and springier the la- leaves got oh, instead of nice. droopy. So I feel like that plant I've had it for like two years. I'm kind of sentimentally attached to. It. Are you All sentimentally right. attached to your plants? Some of them. Yeah. Like my mom brought when they drove out to visit one of the times. Um, she brought one of my, um, or a couple plants that I left there that I didn't bring in the move. So there was like a really tall crown of thorns cactus that mm-hmm. blooms like all the time. It's amazing. Oh. But it's like pretty big. And I replanted it recently and I needed help to plant, to repot it. So it was, it was it's, it's large. It's very prickly. So you yeah. can't, it's like we had to wear gloves. Okay. To do it. Um, and then like a cutting from my dad's 30 year old plant that I have and my grandmother's cutting of a Christmas cactus and... Just like plants like that, that I would be very sad to lose if they died. Oh, I mean, it makes sense, you know, especially like it's like a, like a heritage plant, mm-hmm. you know, like it was from your grandma's cactus. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's pretty cool. Christmas cactuses are pretty cool. I don't, I don't, I've never messed with them myself, but I have appreciation for what they look like. And, you know, you can just keep doing clippings or pass them around a little bit. That's what's cool about plants, too, is like. I've never really dove into it too much. My ex is really good at it, like doing, you know, a clipping from this. Propagation. We'd, we'd fly that or something. I do that a lot. And I then replant. And then the success rate's usually pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you go about it right, from from what I understand. I've never dove into that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm like all over the place. What what was the saying for adding ice cream to your... Alamode. Alamode? Alamode, right? Alamode. Alamode. Okay, I'm sorry I had to do that. I'm, you never heard that? No. <laughs> I, want, I want to remember. I guarantee I you've heard it. You just don't remember. I, I wouldn't put that past me either. But I, I love the plant things. I have to propagate too. Um, and that word made me think, what was that other word that I heard? But we always like to ask a question to our guests. And uh, the question is, Rima, <laughs> if you could give the entire globe, every every person on the planet, a piece of advice... So everybody would be better tomorrow. What would that piece of advice be? Um, don't take life too seriously and just enjoy the small moments that you have. Basic as that. Love it. Great advice. Great advice. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people lose touch with a little bit, you know. Enjoy every day because you never know. Tomorrow's never promised. Totally. You know, and, and it's important to, just like last night, go out and have a, have a fun time. You mm-hmm. know, network with some folks. You never know who you're going to meet. Live life. Yes. And have a good time and be good to each other. You know, yeah. and that's also a big, big takeaway. Well, and, and I, I actually, there's like a, a beauty to how simple you stated that because it, it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, 
you know, really enjoying life and all the little moments, like, that is living. Like, all the little moments that you're existing, that you, like, that. that's where life is. And to, like, over not overcomplicate it, I, I love that, too, because it's, like, you're almost appreciating more and being more conscious about all the little things, but at the same time, it's like a duality of thought process. You know, you, you need to, like, have that balance, I guess, as far as, like, not overcomplicating it but while also appreciating all the small things which could be more complicating in a certain sense i don't know but well said oh thank you well said (laughs) yes well said great takeaway great episode too i mean you know thanks for sharing a story i mean that's the first time i've ever heard something like that thanks for having me on i'm glad i could share the story and pass on you know let's get everyone to sign up to be an organ donor Uh, that's a good great takeaway from this program and we're going to include a lot of that um, in the show notes down below. Is there anything you'd like to add or you would encourage our viewers, listeners, what have you, to get involved with? Anything you'd like to, to promote, push, what have you? Um, become an organ donor. Um, also, you can always donate to the Cystic Fibrosis um, Foundation, which they do a lot of research for drugs to help people with cystic fibrosis. There is no cure yet, but there's a lot of good research and drugs coming out that have made... Um, living with cystic fibrosis so much better like people's lung functions have improved greatly and so with the donations that's how research happens Um, and then locally I work for the cystic fibrosis lifestyle foundation um, so that's different and so I'll be doing a fundraiser hike here in Colorado probably in the spring Awesome. Um, yeah, send us any information as that is coming closer. Yeah. And we'll be happy to promote it on all socials and, you know, keep keep this friendship going. Perfect. Because we, we support what you do. Thank you. Uh, we love your message and great energy. Like when you came and introduced yourself to us uh, last night, it was, it was just everyone's energy was there, but you definitely stood out. And it's a pleasure to sit across the table from you and share some time with you. Thank you for having me. Um, and you can always follow uh, Long Story Short, which is my Instagram. So I post a lot of like educational posts, especially during um, month of April, which is Organ Donation Awareness Month. And then May, which is Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, or Cystic, Fi- Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. Sorry, all these words. So April and May. April, April and May. And May. Okay, those so are I big post ones. a lot Good of like flashback on. pictures and yeah. educational things and stuff like that. It's perfect. People need to know about this. It's, it's super important. Um, everyone keep tuning in. We are so fortunate to be here. And like Rima said, just uh, appreciate your time right now is precious. This moment right now is precious. And we're so thankful that you spent it with us. Um, please be good to yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again, Rima, for coming down short notice. Thanks for enlightening our viewers, listeners on, on some of the things, cystic fibrosis and, you know, some of the, the I, I like the, the handle that you have too for, for, for your social media. I think that's kind of catchy. It's a fun play on it. I like how you, you, you know, kind of look at it. And like have some puns. Fun yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, again, we'll include all that in the show notes down below. Again, thanks for your time. Everybody be good to yourselves. You deserve it. 